How many's ever been in a fight before? Some of you are really quiet. <laughs> you don't want to know, you don't want the people next to you to know who they're sitting beside, right? <laughs> like, uh-oh. How many's ever been in a verbal fight, fist fight, spitting fight, kicking fight, tickle fight? <laughs> Any kind of fight? I've been in a fight before. I know I don't look the part, look the role. Probably don't think I'm thug enough, but I've been in a fight before. It happened when I was in third grade. It happened out on the playground, recess, nasty. See, we had this game, me and my buddies, at recess, which is located after lunch. We would run out there, and we had this girl that was in our class. Her name was Chelsea Walters. And back then, early 90s, you guys remember those things called scrunchies? I don't know if they're still a thing nowadays, but I remember back then they were a hot topic. And Chelsea always wore this scrunchie in her hair, and she had her hair in a ponytail with the scrunchie. And the game of us boys was to take Chelsea's scrunchie, run around the playground, throw it back and forth, and she would chase us and try to catch us, but, you know, she never could. Of course, I didn't do much running back then because I was like four foot two and about 275 pounds. A little chubby dude. You know, I was healthy. Healthy, you know. Ate well. We're from the north, so, you know, a lot of things are fried, lots of mashed potatoes, you know, the good stuff. But I, the game was we would run around the playground, and then one particular day we had a friend that was a part of the group that played the game several times, so it was quite confusing when he, he did this to us, but he faked us out, and he said, throw me the scrunchie, and then we threw it to him thinking that he was going to be a part of the game and continue to run, but instead his chivalry took place and took over his mind, and he took it back to Chelsea and handed it to her. So we got mad. Of course, I mean, the game is to keep away from Chelsea. You broke the rules of the game, man. Like, what were you thinking? And so he took it back to Chelsea, and a buddy of mine named Alex, he got really heated and frustrated and began pushing this boy named Bryce. And Bryce pushed him back, you know. Don't push me, I'm going to push you back. And so they began pushing and pushing and a lot of pushing. There's quite a lot of, you know, pushing back and forth. And then finally, fists started being thrown, and they were hitting each other, hitting each other in the stomach and the gut, and they were fighting, they were going at it. And, and a part of that group was my cousin, his name was Jordan, and, and during the fight, Jordan somehow got wrapped up in it, and now Bryce is fighting Jordan, and, and me, being trained in karate, third grade, I know you're, what you're thinking. There's no way you were trained in karate. I was at the YMCA Thursdays, self-defense. Don't mess with me. Me being the, you know, the, the kind and gentle, being able to keep self-control because of the karate, I saw my cousin in need. He was being fought with. And, and so I said, I, I must resolve this situation. Now. There was Chinese subtitles below me. And, and so I went over and I, I got in the middle of him, but as I did, I protected my cousin Jordan. I did the block out. And as I did that with this arm, I pushed Bryce. So he took it as a 
engagement tactic. And so he came at me. Bryce did not know I was trained in karate. Had he not, had he known, he probably wouldn't have came after me, but he did nonetheless. And so I sidestepped, grabbed him by the shoulder, and tripped him. He fell to the ground. I walked away. But Bryce was a persistent one. <laughs> and so he got back up and came at me again. And I said, Bryce, did you not learn your lesson the first time? So I sidestepped again and tripped him to the ground. And that was the extent of my fight. And they began to beating on each other a little bit more, and I stepped back because of, you know, the self-control and stuff. And that was the only move I knew, so <laughs> I didn't want to engage him anymore. <laughs> he might learn, hey, go for the legs. <laughs> but we all have been in fights before. Some have been probably more bloodier, deathlier, maybe meaner. Maybe words have been thrown around and spoken, and, and, and they've just been nasty. How many's ever been in a nasty argument? It just, it gets ugly. You say things that you wish you couldn't say, and as they're coming out of your mouth, you're trying to push them back in because when you're fighting, some things just slip out. Some things are beyond your control. And so today, I want to talk to you just for the next few minutes about the fight for your life. And this fight for your life can get pretty dramatic sometimes. As my fight in third grade was probably very gruesome to me at that age, I later grew up and thought I was tougher. And at one point in our house, when I was about 13 years old, me and my brother got in a little argument. And, you know, this is sibling fight. You know, we say things that we don't mean, hug it out later, you know, share the Twinkie, the last Twinkie, you know. But we, we fight while we're there. And I remember I was I was in eighth grade, and I had started playing football, so I thought I was the big man around the house. I'd grown about six inches, and, you know, I was, I was eighth grader, top of my class, you know. And me and my brother were, were getting in a fight, and at that time, he was not as tall as he is today. Had he been as tall as he is today, I wouldn't have picked on him. But he wasn't, and I was still taller than him which a couple years later he grew and I learned not to pick on him. But at that point he was still shorter than me and so I'm picking on him and we're fighting and we're arguing and all of a sudden I just get mad and angry and I rear back and I hit him right in the stomach. And he doubles over and runs to the bathroom and I'm chasing him. No! He shuts the door and I'm knocking on the wall. Don't tell mom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't tell, don't tell mom. And I was the one crying at the end of that fight. But we all fight, we all get gruesome, we all get nasty. We, we're in this thing called life and sometimes battles come, people come and, and, and it gets emotional. Friends come against us, family members come against us, coworkers betray us and, and it just seems this fight for life is just gruesome sometimes. Maybe it doesn't involve people, maybe it involves substances, or maybe it involves things or possessions, and this fight is I've got to have, I need to stand above, I've got to be the best. We're in this survival mentality from our ancestral, we're in this survival mode that I've got to do to be, to gain, to become. I'm going to fight you, 
You got something against me? Let's go. You, you want to step above me? Let's go. You want to talk down to me? Let's go. You want to call my mama something? Let's go. And the survival instinct kicks in that I'm going to fight. I'm going to gruel. I'm going to tango. Let's go. And it's a part of us, this fight. And we do it on our own. I can do me. I can do me. Let's go. Let's go. And, and we fight and we, we, we contemplate and we think and let, let's do this. And this fight is based upon our own efforts and abilities. It's based upon our own instincts and abilities. And we use two particular weapons in our personal fights. One is called the heart and one is called the mind or the brain. We use these, trying to use these to our advantages, but so often they come out to our own disadvantage. Look at this scripture in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. It says this. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is a liar. And I'm not talking about the muscle that is currently pumping blood through all your veins and ligaments. I'm, I'm talking about your emotional core, the heart. That, that emotional center that you can look at your spouse or your loved ones or your friends or your family and go, with all my heart, I do promise you. 98 degrees song back in the 90s. <laughs> but with all my heart, with all my emotional core, I promise, I, I give it to you, I love you, I need you with all of this, my heart. But then the Bible says, Jeremiah 17 and 9, that the heart is a liar. How many ever made decisions with your heart, your emotions, that inner voice that's saying, hey, that's pretty good, that's on sale. You ever looked at something that was $2.99, but now it's $1.99? You're like, it's $100 off. Where else could I save $100? And that emotion that gets you, that decision, that, that, that inner core gets you, but it's a liar. The other thing we use is our brain, our second boxing glove in this fight for life. The brain that controls, the mind that speaks, the inner voices, the things that tell us what to do, and the, the thoughts about others, the thoughts about our loved ones. But here the Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 8, listen to this, it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. This doubleness, this mind swapping, you ever walk down the aisle, you're on a diet, you're doing good, but then you walk down the Twinkie aisle, and you try to act saved... Trying to act like you're not going to buy them. But the double-mindedness, I'm going to do this, but I do this. I'm going to stay here, but I go over here. I'm too busy to hang out. This double-mindedness is unstable in all its ways. And so we're using two boxing gloves in this fight for life. It's called our heart, which is a liar, and our mind, which is unstable. And so we're fighting the enemy of life with deceit and unstableness. And we're trying to punch our way through this life, and it's telling us to make decisions, and then it's telling us that we're able to make those decisions. Do it. You're justified and your wrongness. Have you ever felt justified for doing something mean? 
<laughs> you ever felt justified for being rude? Well, you should have heard what they said to me. <laughs> you should have heard what they did. You should have seen what they did. You and you feel justified in this because your heart is telling you that you're right. And in this survival mode that we're in, this life, this fight for our life, we need all the instruments that we can get to survive. And so we're listening to the inner voices that are saying that we're justified and our mind that is saying that we're able, but both of them are wrong. And we're trying to beat our way through this fight for life. I'm right, I'm able, I'm right, I'm able, I can do this, I can make it, get out of my way, get out of my way. And we rocky our way through life and we jump on the Capitol steps singing the theme song because we're good in this fight. Get in my way, I knock you down. And sometimes in life, battles come to us and we just want to spar to kick them out of the way. But our heart's telling us that we're able and our mind's telling us that we're able and our heart's telling us that we're justified. But when we begin to kick, we're kicking in thin air because the things we're kicking at aren't right. But it's a fight for life. I want to read a portion of scripture out of Romans chapter 7. And this is Paul. He's, he's talking about this life that we live, and he says in verse 15, he says, For which I do allow not, for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. You hear the double-mindedness? He says, the things that I should do, the things that are right, those are the things I'm not doing. He said, but the things I hate, those are the things that I do. You ever been in that situation? You're trying to change. You're trying to move. You're trying to be better. You're trying to fight the good fight. You're trying to punch away the enemies, the sin, the lust, the aggression, the anger. You're trying your hardest to do that, but it seems as hard as you try to do what's right, you do what's wrong all the much more. Why is that? It's because in this fight for life, we're fighting with our flesh and we're listening to an unstable mind and a lying heart. You get this? We're trying to fight our way through our troubles. We're trying to fight our way through our circumstances. We're trying to fight our way over the, the mountains and over the hills and through the valleys and, 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 and over the giants. We're trying to beat them up on our own. And we feel justified doing it. We feel like we can conquer this. As I, as I spoke Wednesday night, there's times when we feel like we can get out of sin. We can get out of our wrongdoing. And we put check marks on days on a calendar. And we say, one day down. Punch in the face. Two days down. Haha, <laughs> double whammy. Three days down, and we're tally marking our right doings. We're right, we're, we're tally marking the fights. We're tally marking, I beat this day in your face. But then when we get to Friday, all of a sudden, you didn't realize they had a secret weapon of a roundhouse. And all those tally marks that you just put on the calendar are wiped away because you just fell again. He said, because the things I should do, I'm not doing. The things I hate... The things I miserably hate, 
things that are working so much evil against me, those things that are destroying my flesh, the guilt, the shame, the weariness of this flesh, those are the things that I cling to. Because my heart is telling me that it's right. My mind is telling me that I'm able to do it. And it's this fight for life that we're in. And we're punching our way through it. But we're making no grounds. We're making no headway. We're getting nowhere. It's like we're beating a punching bag and it just keeps coming back. No, stop. 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 And we're just hitting it. Hitting the bag, hitting the bag, and we're fighting for our life. He says, for I know that in me, that's in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Didn't we just talk about the heart being deceitful and the mind being unstable? He says this, he says, I know in my flesh there's no good. For to will and is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not. It is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And then he questions in verse 24. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And so often we ask that question, oh, wretched man, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then we tell ourselves, our heart awakens and says, you can do it. You can make it happen. And so we strap on the boxing gloves of our deceitful heart and our unstable mind, and we like, come on, let's do this. And we're energized, and we're focused, and our mind is on the battle at hand, and we start swinging punches. One, two, three. And we start beating our own problems down, and all of a sudden, there comes the moment of desperation when you get tired of punching. You ever seen a fight like that before? Where the person gets tired of swinging, they get tired of getting hit in the face, they get tired of getting kicked, and so they put their head down and they just... Called the windmill. And in the desperation, that's where we get. We, we have no focus, we have no energy, we've been worn out by the fight of life and we're just swinging. The desperation of our soul is crying out, I need something more. I'm tired of fighting this thing called life. I'm tired of swinging a punch and knocking it down and getting knocked down myself. I'm tired of kicking, but only getting kicked two times more. I'm tired of this fight for life. And the desperation comes and we're swinging and we're kicking and we're trying. But the desperate fighting is dangerous fighting. Because you don't know where you're swinging. And oftentimes the innocent bystanders in your life are the ones that get hit and hurt the most. Because in this fight for life, in this desperation, you just, you just go crazy. You go crazy. Crazy fight. I'm going to crazy fight you. But crazy fight, I have no focus. I have no focus. So the fight comes out. And I'm weary. And I'm tired. And I, I can't fight no more. I can't, I can't fight no more. I, I, I'm at stages in my life and points in my life where decisions need to be made and things need to happen, but I, I can't fight no more. 
It feels like I'm struggling to make the right decision, and the right decision just kind of eludes me, and I just can't fight no more. I get desperate and weary with situations. Like, why can't, why can't that change? Why can't that be different? Why, why, why do I have to fight this battle? I'm tired, and my hands are weary, and they're all bloodied up because I'm fighting in my own flesh. I'm fighting with a deceitful heart that's telling me I'm right. Continue punching the same wall, and my mind's telling me, hey, dude, you're able. Keep going. But I'm tired, and the desperation is brought around crazy fight. And I'm swinging, and I'm hitting friends, and I'm hitting family. I'm hitting people around me that don't deserve to be hit, but my desperation and my brokenness in my flesh, it's just, I, I got to keep fighting. I can't give up. I got to keep fighting. I got to keep fighting. And then at the end of the desperation comes the denial. I can't. I don't have another swing in me. I don't have another kick in. I, 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 your arms are like noodles. And they're hanging at your side, and you look at the gloves, your heart that's deceitful, your mind that's unstable. You, you're looking at these two things saying, how'd you get me here? I thought I was fighting for my life, but I've only destroyed it in the process. How'd you, how'd you get me here? And then denial comes, and here's where the greatest story of all time steps into our lives. Jesus would say this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said, if, if, if you want to be a part of me, if, if you want to follow me, he says this, number one, number one, numero uno, the, the first step, number A, if A was a number. In algebra it is, let that sink in. He says the first thing, number one, number one, he says, if you're going to follow me, number one, you got to deny yourself. Look at that wording. I got to deny myself. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I ain't going to do that. No. I'm in the fight, God. I can't. If, if I start denying, if I start, if, if I start just surrendering, because that's what denial is, it's a surrenderance. I deny myself, I surrender myself to, to what is, <laughs> if I do, you must be crazy. You, you got to be out of your, de deny myself. Don't you know the universe revolves around me, myself, and I, and you're wanting me to deny myself? Don't you know that it's me against the world and you're wanting me to deny myself? Don't you know it's all? I've, I've got to where I am because of my fight. And there's people in here, and I stand with you, that I look at where I'm at and I go, I got here because I got here. And denying myself would completely destroy the ego and the pride that I've allowed to live in my life and to tell me that you got another punch in you. But he says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. And what is denying myself? I've got to take off the boxing gloves of my mind and the boxing glove of my heart that would say I'm right, I would say I'm able. And he says, if you deny yourself, guess what? When you deny yourself, 
He says, I stand up in your fight. For so long, I've been fighting. I've been punching. I've been kicking. I've been screaming. I've been just warring, warpath, crazy Comanche scream. Ah! I got the war paint on. It's mine. I've got this. But he says, deny yourself. I have to sit down. And he says, it's mine. Because when we deny ourselves, Christ stands up in our place. And he says, you know what? I came to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. And what was lost? What was lost was the connection between man and God. Because Adam, way back when in the garden, he plucked the fruit from a tree. And he says, the fight is now mine. And he destroyed the connection between Christ and man who would have fought for us. And he says, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. And what is lost is the fact that you don't have to fight by yourself anymore. What is lost is fight for life. Jesus comes in John chapter 14 and he says that I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. This fight that you're fighting is not a fight that you need to fight because when we surrender ourselves to Christ, Christ stands up and he says, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 14, it says, the Lord will fight for us. This fight for life doesn't have to be your fight anymore. This struggle that you're going through, the desperation, the crazy Comanche fighting that you're struggling with, and you're saying, I just can't get ahead. I just can't get ahead. I just can't make it anywhere. Christ is standing there saying, if you'll give it to me, if you'll surrender to me, if you'll lay it down before me, I got fight moves you've never heard of. I've got moves you've never saw. I've got situations you've never even seen before. Because when we would surrender the fight for our life, we recognize that he's been fighting for our life the whole time. It's not my fight. It's his God Almighty, creator of the universe, came, robed himself in flesh, put on boxing gloves, and went to a cross, hung on three nails for you and me, and he said, it is finished. It is finished. So when the enemy's trying to destroy you, and you feel like throwing in the towel, and you don't know where your next step is, you don't know where your next punch is, you're in desperate mode, and you're weary, and you're worn out, and you can't throw another punch, I want you to know that if you'll surrender your life to Jesus Christ, if you'll surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, he'll stand up, he'll fight for you, he'll win, he'll be victorious, and everything that you're going through, he'll be there with you. Because the fight for life is the fight that he gave his life. That we might have life. The greatest paradox in all of mankind is that death would bring life. But that's what Jesus did. He stood on a cross willfully. He willfully put himself in a battle that we were fighting. Sin had oppressed us for thousands of years. And it still tries to oppress us today. But 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus Christ tagged himself in. And he walked into the rink of our life. 
He walked into the octagon of our fight, our world. And he says, you know what? This is not your fight. This is my fight. See, the greatest thing about Jesus is that he'll go to whatever depth that you're at. Whatever mud hole that you found yourself, whatever bar that you've locked yourself in, whatever cage that you've trapped yourself in. He'll go to the deepest, darkest pit, the furthest place in the universe that you've trapped your mind and your emotions and you've allowed your heart and your mind to convince you that you're right. You're justified for living in your sin. You're justified for living in your lust. You're justified for living in these deeds, this good and this evil. You're justified, but Jesus will go to where you're at. He'll find you. And he's the most gentlest man I know. Because he doesn't just stand in a place of authority and says, hey, if you want it, come get it. Tap me. Get it, man. Tap me. I'll fight for you. Tap me. That's not Jesus. Here's my Savior. He doesn't just come down to where I'm at. He kneels down where I'm at. And then the Bible says in John 10, and he says that he's the good shepherd, that he sits at the gate. So that means where I'm at, he doesn't just come and stand beside me. It says that he walks in front of me. And if you understand the, the history of shepherds, the, bio, the, the, the historians would say that the, the way they would do it, they would have a pen of sheep. And at night, they would put all the herd of sheep in there. And then the shepherd would lay down at the door. For if any prey came to try to destroy or get to the sheep, they'd have to go through him first. And here's the greatest thing about our Savior, the greatest thing about our Redeemer, the greatest thing about Jesus Christ is he's at the door. Because he says, I am the door. And he's standing in front of you and he wants to stand further in front of you if you'll just surrender your life to him and said, God, I'm tired of crazy fighting. I'm tired of swinging blow after blow, kick after kick. I'm tired of fighting for my life. He says, you don't have to fight for your life because I came to bring you life. 